0: I wish you've always taken such charge.
1: You are listening to the Border
0: Chronicle. Okay, welcome to the Border Chronicle podcast. And I am honored to have with me today Kendall Blust and Murphy Woodhouse from the Hermosillo Bureau. Of KJ, KJZZ, which is the Phoenix, Arizona public radio station, and they have been reporting from Hermosillo, Sonora, which is um, just uh, about a hundred or is what is it two hundred miles south of the U.S. Mexico border. I usually say a a four-hour drive south of Tucson. Four-hour drive south of Tucson. They've been reporting there since 2018, so they are veterans at this, and I am very pleased to have you with me today, both Kendall and Murphy.
2: Well, thank you so much for having us.
0: Yeah, pretty excited to chat. Great. Um, I I wanted to start out with... Well, I wanted to tell a story, a little story um, that happens to me almost every time I cross the border, and I cross the border often heading your way, right? Like, but I don't quite get there often. You know, to Hermosillo, I do want to, <laughs> uh, but I get to Nogales, right? I'll cross the border from Nogales, Arizona, to Nogales, Sonora, and so one thing that often strikes me is, you know, you have a, you you could be in Nogales, Arizona, and you know you look up at a tv at you know some place and cnn is on and you have a whole one array of of stories that you're getting news stories and you cross the border and you get on the mexican side and there's a whole other array of stories uh you could look at el imparcial you know the the newspaper from hermosillo and say oh wow there there's a whole other world that's being covered here and all I've done is cross a line and it's always amazing to me and that's where I kind of want to start our discussion today because that that I I, I couple that with um Another question, and I guess I guess that anecdote might lead into this, or might lead into the answer. But I want to hear what you have to say after, after you know, reporting on the border, or not on the border, um, from Mexico in Hermosillo, for so long. And why is it? Why do you think on um, that? You know, on on the U.S. side, there's so many people don't know as much as they might should about what's going down in Mexico given that it's so close to us, given that Mexico is our neighbor. Do you have, uh, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I guess my my first thought um, is actually based on a conversation I was having with a couple of friends um, just about how, maybe this is counterintuitive, but how connected Arizona and Sonora are, how many people I meet here in Hermosillo, who have family in in Tucson or in Phoenix, or who go up there for shopping and things like that, and I think in some ways, for people in Sonora, Arizona is so much more a part of their world than than in the reverse. Than people from Arizona, it necessarily is um, to have that connection to Sonora. And obviously, there are tons of connections, but I think. Yeah, sometimes from the Arizona side, we forget about that or we are just not as as connected or as aware of of those ties. And I think that's actually the point of our bureau, or at least a lot of what Murphy and I have wanted to do here is just to make Sonora um, a place that people in Arizona think about that that's on their radio most days of the week and they're hearing names of places and they're maybe just their interest is getting sparked in visiting or visiting someplace new or just in, you know, what life like is here and, and, and recognizing how connected it is, whether that's the environment or the culture or, you know, obviously business, but there clearly are so many connections. But like you're saying, I think that that goes under the radar for most of us.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with all of that, and you know, I, I just think that, a, and I'm sure as a close observer of the borderlands, I mean, you you note the same that you know just a lot of English language cover of this, of of, of this place, you know, I think is 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 concentrated in a handful uh, of areas, you know, certainly with some very notable exceptions, but you know. Uh, narcotics trafficking, uh, uh, immigration, crime, corruption, violence—like I, I think that that accounts for a, a, just a great deal of the sorts of stories that people are getting about this place. And certainly, those are those are legitimate and important stories. And certainly, during our time here, we've tried to cover those uh, thoughtfully. But but I really do, do just think that you know if that's all you're getting, you're just getting such a profoundly distorted and and, and incomplete picture of reality down here and so you know like 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 Kendall was saying I mean we've we've really just tried to cover this place as a meaningful part of our region our shared region you know not not you know limiting ourselves to those sorts of stories but trying to to flesh out Sonora and, and greater northwestern Mexico just as a full complicated place trying to cover it like we would a community perhaps in uh, in Arizona and you know as a result we've you know, like I said, like we've certainly done stories that 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 kind of fall into the the buckets that I talked about before, but we've really just kind of done. I mean, it's sometimes I find it difficult to kind of like summarize, uh, kind of like the 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 range of stories we've done. It's really just been all over the map, and and frankly, like more, I guess, like more than any any one story or, or series. Like what what I think I'm proudest of. Of, of of our work down here is is precisely that that it has been such a diversity of stories that it has that we've taken listeners to, I mean almost literally every corner of of Sonora places that the vast majority of our listeners will likely never see themselves and so I don't know like if if we've done our job right here I mean I, I think that like the, the the picture we painted is just you know just a richer, uh, more complete and and ultimately I think just fairer. Uh, uh, uh picture of of this extremely important place yeah could you could you talk about some of the stories that you've covered over
0: these years like what what are some of the stories that take your listeners to all the different aspects and facets and corners of of sonora and and um you know really uh flesh out that panorama that you're talking about or just a couple just so so people get an idea
1: yeah, I'll, I'll just jump in super quick. I mean, it, like I said, like sometimes I find it difficult to kind of like summarize generally, but, I, you know, just like I think a couple will kind of illustrate what we're, you know, sometimes trying to do down here. Like, you know, so er, uh, last spring, you know, I, I went out with a, you know, a group of uh, uh, highliners, uh, or, the, you know, extreme athletes, basically, you know, they, they, they walk tight ropes and just extreme extreme places, huge cliffs, prominent, uh uh, you know, beautiful features of the Sonoran landscape, and just just tightrope walk back and forth. Uh, and just spent a couple days with these folks. Uh, one of my favorite reporting experiences, and just, you know, just so far out of of you know, kind of the 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 frame that so many stories about this you know, it has nothing to do with immigration. It has nothing to do with violence. It has nothing to do with any of that. It's just some young folks doing a very cool thing in a very beautiful place. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, like, you know, we've, we've certainly gotten into a lot of the, like the harder, more uncomfortable, complicated issues. And, and I'm proud of the reporting that we've done on that. But like, if you're not leaving space for just like the weirdness, the, just the fascinating characters, the yeah, I mean, just the, the 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 people and places that make Sonora are just an utterly fascinating place. I mean, I just think you're doing a, a, a disservice to the place. Did you tightrope yourself when you went? Oh my online? god, no, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, what I, so- I used to do, I used to slackline uh, in 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 college a little bit, but like very low lines. I mean, these people were literally four five hundred feet off the deck. I mean, this is this is a whole other whole other world.
2: I I strongly recommend looking at the photos from that story, it's pretty spectacular.
1: Kendall, do you have
0: any, any like stories that stick out to you along those lines?
2: Yeah. You know, when I was thinking about what stories stick out to me, there's a couple different areas and, um, on the more serious side, it's, it's interesting over the past couple of months, it's occurred to me that, um, there are a few sort of more hard news stories that I feel, Really proud of. And in all of those cases, they've been collaborations that I've been able to do with, you know, either with Murphy, other members of our Fronteras team, um, or other reporters. And I think that, you know, talking about cross border journalism, it just strikes me as how important that kind of collaboration is. But on the more, you know, um, lighter side, we in 2019, as a Fronteras desk team, did this story on migration, we called it Tracing the Migrant Journey. And um, our reporters reported from across the U.S., the U.S.-Mexico border, here in Sonora, um, in Guadalajara, in Southern Mexico, in Guatemala, and in El Salvador. And we just told stories of, you know, what that journey looked like from all of those different points along the way. And yeah, again, that's, that's just something could an, an individual reporter do that maybe probably, but, um, when you have, you know, reporters with different expertise, with different interests and who are able to go to different places and sort of spend some time there, I think it just allowed us to tell that story in a much more powerful way. Um, And and similarly, Murphy and I did a story in, you know, where we were just talking about that we don't always necessarily want to focus on things like violence, but it's also a serious issue here. And so we did a collaboration um, looking at different aspects of violence in while it came out in 2020 and, and and just like where that stood at the time with, you know, some record setting numbers for homicide and also femicide. Um, And again, just those stories for me are ones that I just don't think that I could have told in the same way without working with my colleagues. And then the most recent one for me was uh, I worked with a colleague named Emily Bragel. She's a freelancer right now, living in Sonora as well, and we. Did an investigation into why there is just a massive crisis um, of sewage in the coastal city of Guaymas and in San Carlos. And we were able to really dig deep and talk to officials and talk to people who are impacted. Um, and again, just her experience as an investigative reporter and, and my experience here in Sonora, I think we were able to tell a story that maybe individually might have been more difficult for us to tell.
0: What what did you find out why is there so much sewage in those areas? Did you find out the answer? Or-
2: yeah, complicated. It's, you know, those are issues actually in a lot of places not only of Sonora but in Mexico, but a lot of it comes down to just how these things are managed and, you know, there are funding problems and there's problems of government turnover, you know, in Mexico when When someone is elected mayor, for example, or governor, a lot of entire agencies turn over in terms of their leadership. And so things get things get messy. And in this case, it's just, you know, a lot of lack of maintenance and lack of follow through um, and and just really costly fixes that need to be made at this point, um, which we, we heard a lot of promises that those are going to be done. And and so far that hasn't happened, but, but yeah, then you have people living with sewage running down their streets, you know, with that just the smell of that. And, you you know, you can imagine how bad it is. But when you go into somebody's house and you start to just feel that, like burning in your nose and the headache, and then you imagine people living like that all day and their kids and their grandkids trying to sleep and trying to play. And it's just pervasive. And so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, a complicated problem in some ways, but also one that is just clearly a, a failure of of responsibility on the part of both local and and state leaders. Right.
0: Um. Can I ask you uh, both the question of this about some uh, small news pieces that you both have reported on? And it goes um along these lines, but it seems it seems to be like a, a current news event um, of which the U.S., um, some i guess it's some republican lawmakers or small contingent of republican lawmakers from the United States are suggesting that the US military um be deployed and now get, correct me if i'm wrong here but what i understand be deployed in Mexico um to counter cartels or go after cartels is 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 that can you t- tell us a
1: little bit about that that story or as much as you know yeah, I mean I, we have reported on that a little bit like, you know, I I, I certainly would not consider myself a, a, an, an expert on the on the topic, but but uh but uh representative uh Rep- Republican representative Crenshaw um, and others have have put forward a joint resolution uh that that would basically authorize the use of military force against uh, uh drug trafficking organizations that that traffic fentanyl uh into the United States. Uh there's been a lot of really really excellent reporting uh, north of the border on the details of all of that um i guess like what we're what we've kind of been in a position to do down here um is just to kind of you know air uh, reactions and concerns uh from mexican officials so that so that our listeners get a sense of you know this this you know mexico is a is a big important uh <laughs> country with a uh, a huge government with its own interests and perspectives on these things and yeah so i mean i, I think that again I, I don't i don't in in my reporting on it you know haven't gone uh super deep but I, you know at, at least have given our listeners a sense that you know this is a this is a very dramatic proposal this is an ex- extraordinarily controversial proposal uh and it's a proposal that you know unsurprisingly but still good to get out there that you know mexico's president and other top ranking officials have Unsurprisingly, very strong feelings about when you know kind of people are casually talking about uh, the use of the U.S. military uh, in a foreign country. So yeah, I don't know. Again, like it hasn't been a a subject of like in-depth reporting on on my part, but uh, but but I think that you know when things like this do happen, you know, one of the wonderful things of having a presence here in this in this part of Mexico is our listeners get to hear. You know, what, what regular Mexican people think and what and what Mexican officials think when uh when US officials are, you know, talking about their ambitions and plans, et cetera, for a sovereign neighbor.
0: Yeah, which brings me to the next question I have, which is uh now wow, you know, when you think about how long you've you've both been reporting in Mexico, 2018. Like, wow, you go back to 2018 and Trump's president and Donald Trump's presidency in his second year, um, many things happened that very year, right? Like for, and and I'm talking from a border, also from the uh, looking observing the border perspective. So I'm very interested in how you viewed the border from the south side, from Emerald CEO, as all these different things started to transpire. You have you have the Trump administration coming in. You have you know the all the stuff that was going on with that with the the family separations, then you have COVID, right? The, the pandemic, um, the different policy, uh, the policies that were implemented by the first, the Trump administration, then continued by the Biden administration, like title 42 remain in Mexico, those sorts of things. Um, and, uh, how, you know, looking at in really broad strokes, you know, over these last five years, I guess it's been five years, right? Um how has that, you know, observing what's been going on in the borderlands, and then and I mean the borderlands in the sense of the Mexican side of the borderlands as well. Um from your your perspective from reporting in Mexico, has what what has struck you or what are some of the things you've done around this or or what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think just following up on what Murphy said about the last story. I think we have done a lot more thinking about what what is the impact here on the Mexican side and how Mexican leaders are responding. And you know, when we arrived in 2018, we arrived just ahead of the election when um, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador was elected and took office. So we've seen kind of his political traje- traje- <laughs> trajectory alongside that of Trump and Biden. I guess one of the things that really stands out to me, and I think Murphy will probably have some things to say about this as well, um, but the pandemic and the border closures is something that we covered pretty extensively from the side of the border. And just going back to what we were talking about, about how much a part of people's lives Arizona is for a lot of people in Sonora, and then the way the border closures impacted people in Mexico and in Sonora in really different ways, because the U.S. was, you know, was was implementing these closures while Mexico is still really allowing U.S. citizens to come back and forth. So we were able to see just, you know, obviously impacts on businesses that we reported on. And I think maybe most importantly, just the the family connections and the personal connections. We were at the border when that lifted. And just to see the reunions of people and, you know, people waiting in line to see grandkids that they hadn't seen, you know, it's still, it's just a truly incredible experience to have.
0: What can I ask you a question? When was, so can you remind me when that exactly, when it was lifted, the border closure? And when you were at the border seeing these reunions of people
1: that have been November, November 21. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So nearly two years um, of closure and yeah, we were just both able to talk to folks who just had profound experiences of, of separation of, you know, just changing the way they live their lives. And we can still see the impacts of that on how on the difference in the way people in in border communities cross or don't cross for certain things, you know, It, it. It was. An incredibly difficult experience for so many people, and it has had lasting impacts on the border region.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that uh, that's that's some of the reporting that I'm I'm the proudest of. Like, one, we just like covered it as an ongoing issue, getting getting important voices uh, out there. I mean, I just I just think it's like it's so obvious, but but sometimes it just feels like it's missing that like you know when these sorts of policies are implemented, they have dramatic sweeping consequences uh, for people in this country, and it was just such a privilege. To 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 be able to be present and just share that with listeners. I mean, we just we saw some just like absolutely extraordinary displays of just of just just binational love and 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 longing and just and you know it's you know to the best of my knowledge, Kendall and I are the only like, full time reporters permanently based in Sonora reporting for a U.S. audience. And like, you know, these are, these are scenes that might not have, might not, 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 not have gotten gotten to people uh, just to like fully wrap their heads around how, how dramatic this was. I mean, like Kendall sat down with a family at a, at a Denny's in Nogales, Arizona, that just, you know, this is, this, this had been a part of their regular practice. This has been a part of like how their family is meaningful. Right. And something that they were denied for, God, almost two years, right? And like I just, I just think being able to be present uh for those sorts of moments is is just is just so important. And it's just like, I mean, I wish we weren't the only people <laughs> down here, right? I mean, like it, it feels like an enormous responsibility that I that I don't always feel like I'm living up to. But it's also just like, God, there's just so much going down here that that folks north of the border should know about. And that's that's just like one particularly compelling example. And then, you know, I did some reporting on. You know, grotesquely inequitable uh, vaccine distribution. Uh, you know, once vaccines started becoming um, uh, available, very differently around the world, right? You may have border communities like Nogales, where you know, literally more people in Nogales, Arizona, vaccinated than in Nogales, Sonora, city, many, many times the size. Um, you know, we've we've been in a position to do just really intimate on the ground reporting with the folks directly impacted by. The just dramatic I mean revolutionary in some ways, immigration policies of the last uh, several years. And I mean, ultimately, I think that's just like that's that's kind of one of the foundations of 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 you know why why I think this bureau is really important, just being able to be there and just and just being able to bring listeners face to face with the implications and the fallout of these policies, yeah, you're making a great case for it. Right now, <laughs> for sure, you know,
0: that that uh, of how important is like just thinking about being able to to do journalism and to bring it to a wider audience. The sort of reunions that you're talking about are, um, it, it just it. it t- I mean, it touches me just listening to you talk about it. You know, and let alone you know experiencing and hearing the interviews. While we're here, you know, I was going to ask you then, but might as well ask you now. People can find all your journalism you, on the KJZZ website, is that correct? So all these stories that we're, we are referring to,
1: people can go and and find them there, all archived. And then and then the office itself has its own dedicated URL, it's just kjzz.org and then slash Aramosio. And then that's just all the stories that have come out of our office. Okay, great. Um. What, and, and one quick little clarification, or just a
0: fo- a little follow up, Murphy, on what you said. What was your findings with the va- the vaccination distribution at, in comparing and contrasting the United or Arizona from Sonora or U.S. from Mexico? Was it like what were the numbers? Was it really drastic? Like was it? If I remember correctly, because I remember following your reporting on this, it was
1: quite astonishing. But yeah, it was a, it was a it little was. bit ago at this point. So, I mean, like the numbers are going to be a little bit off. I mean, but like kind of one of like the um, one of the, one of the numbers that I that I put in there that 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 I think just really got at just the the global issue of vaccine inequity was, I believe, at the time that I did the story, Arizona had done about half as many Uh, shots as all of Mexico, a country of what, 120, 130 million people. And, you know, like Mexico's vaccination effort, you know, eventually sped up to some degree and, you know, there, there, you know, has been pretty wide, uh, wide uptake, but yeah, in those, in those early months, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's one of the most shameful things that we've seen in recent years, uh, how fate of birth, um, uh, just dramatically impacted how quickly people got access to these life-saving medicines. And obviously an international border is just um, a place where those sorts of, you know, contradictions and inequities are just going to be heightened. And so you had a situation where, you know, as you well know, as, as, as many people in the borderlands know, Nogales, Arizona, Nogales, Sonora, these are a single community in many important ways. And then suddenly you had, you know, one side getting protected and the other kind of being left in the dust. Um, and you know these are these are you know families span those borders, friend groups span those borders, and just kind of like seeing it uh, accentuated by 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 the line, I, I thought was a an interesting sight to to tell. You know, I, again, a story. I don't think we we talked we, we never talked about enough. Just just how unequal that process was.
2: And just to add one quick more detail that Murphy actually focused quite a bit on this when the border did reopen those inequities showed up again because having uh, a vaccination and having a vaccination that was valid in the U.S. was required to be able to cross. And a a number of the vaccines that Mexico was using were not recognized by the U.S., and particularly ones that teachers had been given. Um, So there were A number of people who, when the border opened, who wanted to be able to, again, cross to reunite with their families or to do any number of other things, were still unable to do that for quite a while.
0: It's it's like when you like look at the list of inequities, inequalities, uh, you know, that and, you know, the vaccines, vaccines. is i mean there's so many little places you can look it's just it's just it points to the uh really the 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 importance i think to your reporting and what you're doing and in your ability to get on the ground with people and and do this sort of reporting and I and i wanted like as we wind down i wanted to ask you how like you've been there for five years how was it what is it like to report in Mexico compared you both reported in the United States as well. So is there, is it, is there in some ways easier? Is it some ways more difficult? Is there, is there more, is there challenge more uh, challenges that you don't have reporting in the U S or vice versa? Um, have there been like any sort of like what, what, yeah. What has it been like to be on the ground in another country reporting?
2: You know, for some reason, this is always a question that's really hard for me to answer because there are always going to be differences, of course. And we've, you know, experienced that, whether it's like the way you interact with public officials, definitely the way governments um, there's turnover in governments has been a challenge and has been. A learning experience, I think the biggest Difference for me has just been not being connected to the newsroom and kind of being a little island out here. And that has worked out. And I've I've enjoyed it. And, you know, being here with Murphy has helped a lot and and our editors in close contact. But it it has been, yeah, just a very distinct experience from working in a newsroom like I was used to before that. Um, but on the other hand, and you know, going to what Murphy said that we're two of few or perhaps the only two reporters for U.S. news outlets permanently based here has been, I mean, it just feels like it opened the doors to an incredible number of stories. And I think in part, that's because, you know, there are so many fantastic reporters reporting on the U.S.-Mexico border, reporting about Mexico. And I think we have kind of added a pin in the map that Sonora and and Sonora south of the border hasn't always been that. And so I feel like hopefully we're kind of we've had this free terrain to tell a lot of stories um, that add to this swath of important reporting that happens from the border on down.
0: Do you ever feel like there's not an, there's so many stories and you can't even
2: uh, possibly cover them? (laughs) All the time. I have, you know, I say like my bucket of stories is just, I feel like it never is going down. (laughs) It's just always growing, which is a good feeling, but it can be overwhelming. And, and especially when there's some important stories that, you know, are, still there that we haven't gotten to. But but it's also nice to just, you know, the more longer we've been here, the more we know about it, the more stories we can find. And I think that's a compelling reason, you know, to have people based in a place because there are those stories, you know, Murphy's Highliners story. I've, I've done a series of stories about Bacanora, which is the Sonoran Agave spirit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really enjoyed those stories. I I too.
2: two is Great. Mm -hmm. Do a little plug. Um, (laughs) But, you know, just things that you learn more and more about and that you can get deeper on over time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, at this point, like being reporting in Sonora is like been half my journalism (laughs) career. So it's like it's in some ways it's like, I don't know, I almost like forget what it was like uh, before. I guess like like one You know, it it is certainly, I'm sure, presented unique challenges, but there are also like some things down here that I've actually found uh, maybe not better, but like at least like an interesting, different model. I mean, one thing I want to highlight is uh, the system that Mexico uses for records requests and transparency. Um, We've actually had a pretty interesting and I would say fruitful experience with that, there's literally a single platform for all records requests from the municipal level all the way to the federal government, every single uh, agency uh, thereof. Um, they're held to fairly tight timelines for responses. Um, and, uh, you know, as long as, you know, it's been a learning curve to figure out, you know, how to how to word things, um, how to ask, et cetera. But you can get some really, really incredible stuff. Um, but then I think the 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 key distinction, and honestly, something that at this point, like I think, is just the better way of doing it. Um, uh, literally every single records request made is publicly searchable and available. And not just that, but the responsive documents to those requests. So every single request that I have made, and every single request that everyone has made, you can just go onto the platform search it and actually literally download, uh, the, the, the responsive, uh, uh, records. And, and, you know, at first, you know, my response was like, well, these are my requests. This is my scoop. This is, but it's also like, it's public information. It is the people's information. Uh, and, and I just think that that's like a fairly interesting approach to it. And, and one, I think that, that, that I think could, could be interesting in the U.S.
2: I did want to say one more thing just on the differences that I think Murphy and I both just really recognize our incredible privilege as well, both to be here, um, but also as U.S. reporters in Mexico. Mexico is an incredibly dangerous place and an incredibly challenging place to be a reporter. Um, and and as reporters working with a U.S. media outlet and who are U.S. citizens, we have been really... Um, protected in a way from some of that side of things. And yeah, I just always want to take the opportunity to highlight the incredible work that our colleagues here do all the time um, and that we learn from and benefit from and that, you know, obviously isn't necessarily making it to U.S. audiences, but but that that is happening despite really challenging working conditions and um, dangers and so yeah we we love working here and it's it's just an incredible experience but it also has been eye-opening for what it's really like for our colleagues in Mexico
1: yeah one 100 and not just I mean not just in the obvious ways that you know they're the very real physical uh dangers but just like just the the professional realities um of the press here I mean just the I mean, US journalists rightly are outraged at, at at how bad the pay is, but like it is just it is just a whole different world down here. And the fact that so much good accountability journalism still happens is just a testament to the unbelievable commitment of our colleagues here. Yeah, and I assume you work with your colleagues right there in Hermosillo. Yeah, on the radio. For sure, yeah, lots of our good friends are our reporters, and many of them have been quite generous with us. You know, teaching us literally how to use the record system, and yeah, I mean it's just a very, very collaborative environment. There's just some very talented people here that are that are deserving of, of attention outside of Hermosillo. So, so you could definitely make the case that you are not only cross-border
0: and U.S. reporters, but you're doing. With the cl- in collaboration with journalists there it's a sort of and binational journalism as well
1: yeah or yeah we we've we very much benefited from yeah from uh from our good friends and colleagues here absolutely yeah well with that I think um
0: i I will unless you have something else to say i i I hate to end this good discussion but um I have to but i I like ending it on that note this idea of not only cross-border journalism and journalism that's coming from outside of the United States, and um, but also journalism, as you both have mentioned throughout this conversation, that is often done in collaboration with other journalists from many different places. And, and journalists that are often, you know, journalists who are who who whose whose work puts them in danger, um, and or could put them in danger or different situations, and and that and that sort of journalism, uh, to me, maybe that's uh maybe that's the direction with which may, we can be moving or at least at, very, at the very least as I struggle for words, to, you're an example of of that, you know, of that that sort of direction in journalism. So I thank you kindly for spending this this time with me today on the Border Chronicle and um yeah, just I I'm, I'm grateful to to hear your w- wisdom and insight and and all about your
1: reporting mm-hmm. in Sonora.
2: Well, thank you so much. This was really fun.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot, Todd.
2: The Border Chronicle is reported by Todd Miller and Melissa Del Bosque, based in Tucson, Arizona. This interview with Kendall Blust and Murphy Woodhouse was edited by me, Hannah Gaber, who was lucky enough to know these fine people from going to grad school together in Tucson. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a follow and recommend the show to a friend. It really is the best way to help people find us. You can read and listen to more independent local border reporting on our website, theborderchronicle.com.